Good morning. I have a question to ask you today. My first question is this. If I was to ask you, would you like to see Applewood Covenant Church or Community Church to have an effective ministry in this community? What would you say? All right. I'd like to see that, too. And I'd like to suggest in order for that to happen, you have to have two things. Now, of course, you have to have many other things. But these are the two that I'd like to suggest. You must have vision and you must have passion. Vision. I'm hoping that nobody got here this morning driving their car, texting. I'm hoping that you were focused on the road because you had somewhere to go and you were driving down a specific way to get there. And you did arrive here. You had vision to get here this morning and you need that and you need to have passion. That's like the gas in the car. The car doesn't go anywhere without that essential element of movement, okay, of power. Right now, my wife and I, Jill is her name, not this one, but my Jill. Um, Jill and I are actually going through a difficult period of time because that vision and passion has been interrupted and it's, it's, it's made our life difficult. We're facing what I call the uns. First un is unexpected departure. We went back out to Burkina Faso for a three-year term, and within one year we were home because of my daughter's problem with diabetes, and she was actually losing the sight in one of her eyes. She's okay now, by the way. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's a miracle, or it was misdiagnosed, or a strep. I don't know what it was, but hallelujah, she can see just fine. Um, but there's a number of other things, academics and also the diabetes, that we're still working with, kind of launching her. So we're stuck in America for a, ne- for a few more years. Not a happy thought. Uh, <laughs> I, I like people here, but that's my work. That's my passion over there. We also have the undesired transitions. We had to transition out of our ministries there. Some of the mission ministries I could just hand over to the Africans that I've been working with, with the Fulani, and they've taken it over and they've done really well. Other aspects I've handed over to missionary colleagues, and others just plain had to stop. There was no one to continue on with the film ministries and some of the other things that I was doing. Uh, there's just no one to take it over. So full stop. We also had the transition back into the United States. Ellie had to find a new school. Jill was granted permission to work uh, part-time and began to nurse in the in Minneapolis. She's actually now on leave of absence and working about three-quarters time or two-thirds time. You know, so those transitions came about. And then there is an uncertain future. I really cannot tell you what will happen after August 15th. As of August 15th, uh, my official connection with the mission goes into leave of absence or whatever we determine. That's still left to be seen. But what am I going to do until I can go back? How can I continue to encourage the ministry going on there? All that is uncertain. So that is unsettled. But these are unsettled times. And yet God has been faithful with us for 27 years of serving in Africa. And he'll continue to be faithful. And I know that. And I I can rest in that. And you can too. Our passion is to share the gospel with our fellow sinners in the world. Actually, I was at a church one day, and some guys said, there are a lot of sinners over there now. And I said, about 100%, like here. (laughs) So that was in Minnesota, by the way. You got the accent there. (laughs) Vision and passion. Our vision and our passion is to reach Fulani Muslims. And even more than that, to reach Muslims 
and Africans in general. Where is that going to lead us? If we talked about vision, vision, of course, would be defined as an all-encompassing objective or goal to which we think, we act, or we live. Passion is that object of much of our of, of much enthusiasm. If you were to ask, your son's name again was, yeah, with the busted foot, yeah, Cameron, right now, his passion is. Is, is playing football, just like my daughter. And I'm not talking about the little funny pointed thing that they throw with their hands. I'm talking about that round thing that you use your foot on. Right? Right. Yeah. Soccer, you'd call it, but it's only because the other thing got the, got the real name. My daughter's passion is also football. So, for Moses, when he received the passion and vision of God, it physically changed his face. It changed who he was. In Exodus, we read, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was unaware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He had gotten it. I mean, the people were like, whoa, Moses, you know, put a veil on it. And even look at the guy. The guy's radiant because he's caught the vision and he's got the passion of God to move forward. Jesus' disciples had a change in their, who they were too. It wasn't so much the way they looked, but as the way they acted and the way they spoke. They got a new sense of confidence, a purpose. In, uh, in Acts 5, we read, When they, the Sanhedrin, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And a little bit later it says, Then they, the Sanhedrin again, called Peter and John in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John stood up and replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but but speak about what we have seen and what we've heard. They had lived with Jesus. They saw what he ate. They saw how he treated people, the compassion he had for the sick. He, they saw all these things, and he had changed who they were. They could not go back to just living in that, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, we'll do whatever you say, sir, mode after they'd seen the glory of Christ. They were changed. And you know what? Christ shares his vision with us. What is Christ's vision? Here again, you could probably pick out many things from the Bible, but I'm going I'm to name three. I believe the vision and the passion of Jesus was first of all to redeem the lost. That was his mission. To come down to a people who had lost sight of the fact that we used to walk in the garden with God. And we'd lost that. We'd lost that close intimacy. We were lost in our sinfulness, in our pride, and we could be redeemed. That was his first message. But he also came to comfort the burden. People had lost friends and were were burdened. People had sick children and they were burdened. They had infirmities themselves, and they were burdened. And Jesus lifted that burden to show his joy and his love for people. So he came to comfort the burden. And he also came to fill us with joy and hope eternal. To say that this is not the end, folks. This is only a passageway. And then you will come. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, and you can be with me and with God. And he gave us that hope and joy eternal. And that changes who we are. Now we're going to see how well we can make this thing work. All right, one, 
two, three, on. Oh, it works. I want to tell you a story. I love telling stories. If you know me, you know I love telling stories. And I tell you, I never, I don't even have to go into a room prepared because something someone is going to say is going to spark a recollection of a relevant story from my time in Africa. It's just incredible. Because the Lord has just blessed me with so many things. And I really, this is, this is out of the notes, by the way. I actually live in Bible times. You know, what I see in the Bible, I go, I live that all the time. You know, it's incredible. And it's, it's a great way to get closer to God's Word. When I minister, one of the, I do many different things. One of the things I do do is I have the Jesus film in the language, and I also have an Old Testament film that I use. And people will come to me and say, oh, oh, I want to start this ministry in this village nearby mine where there's all these Fulanis. Maybe they're not Fulani themselves, but they want to reach out to the Fulanis. Or somebody says, I'm going to go and visit this village of my relatives, and I want to bring the, the, the gospel with them. Would you please come and show the Jesus film? And usually I'll just say, Mm-mm, no, it's too good of a resource to use so quickly. Let's get the ground ready, just like those parables. You, know, you prepare the soil. So here's some cassettes. These cassettes, the simple songs, some of them are, are village songs and some of them are spiritual songs. And it's a mixed batch, every other song. You go there and you start listening to them. And first they hear the village songs. They think that's okay. But little by little they start going, oh, wait a minute, what's this song talking about here? What does it mean when it says that it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle? You know? And those songs help us talk about Jesus and his teachings. And then later on they'll come back and say, okay, all right, there's these people that are interested. Now can you come? And I'll say, oh, no. Now I want you to take these Bible story verses, books, and these cassettes and go out there and listen and just kind of teach them, show them what God has been doing in man's life. And then maybe after a year or two, they come and say, okay, I've got two villages that are really keen to learn more about Christ. I say, okay, it's time. I'll come. And when I get to the village, I'll go to the chief and I'll say, chief, this man has been coming to me for two years telling me how you want to know the straight path of God and that you want to seek after God. And he thought this film would be helpful. And thank you for letting me come because I can tell he loves you by inviting me. And I can tell that you love him because you let me come. So we'll show the film. And I'll say, sir, can I, can I take your picture and walk around the village? After I set up the film, I walk around the village and I just get this crowd, actually a cloud of children in dusty areas. It's a cloud. And these kids just follow me. I feel like the Pied Piper. And one day, a little girl was trying to follow me, and she couldn't do it. Which, which one is supposed to? Did you do that or did I? Oh, you're good. <laughs> I don't see any red or green button. All right. So this little girl is trying to keep up with me, and she can't. And, and so I just scooped her up and put her on my hip and kept on going. So here's this guy she's never seen before carrying her, but she's in the middle of the group and feeling really good about it. Later on that day, I talked to her family, and I said, you know what? This family, I said, there is a program run by SIM, the ministry, where they're helping handicapped children learn how to walk or at least getting a tricycle to become mobile. And uh, when I talked to them about that, you can see how her feet are. Did you do that or did I? Okay. Okay. If you follow that list, though, you'll do just fine. <laughs> You see how her feet are so twisted. 
There's no way that she could walk. So I arranged with them that when they were ready, they would stop at a certain place and get these men that were working with them, and they would escort them down to the project, and they would evaluate if they could help her. And Christmas Eve, they called out, all right, we're ready to go. You know, so I had to figure out how to get money up there so they could go, but they made it. And the next year when I came back to show the second film, I found her in a wheelchair. So here she is in a wheelchair. Look at she's clean. All right? And later on, the next day, after we show the film, we always have a Fulani group of guys. They do, they do uh, dramas the next day and then share their testimony. The next day, she had this wonderful smile. Let's look at the next one. Look at that smile on her face. And the kids would fight over who, who got to push her. Instead of walking on her hands and knees to school, she could, her friends could push her. She could be clean. And she had this wonderful smile. Then we came home on home assignment. And during that year, I had no, no, no news. But I'd left instructions to help her get down to try to get to the, uh, see the doctor. They actually had to go to Benin, next country, to see the doctor. And uh, when I got back, I talked to the men. I said, what happened with little Fatih? Did she get down to see the doctors? And they said, we don't know. The whole family moved away. They came back to visit the village, and the family was gone. Nomads do that. You know, just got to go. And they disappeared. A few months later, we had a conference of all the missionaries with SIM, and I asked the nurse, I said, I, I said, I'm so sorry, this little girl, Fatih, never came down there. She goes, what do you mean? She's there. The family had actually moved closer so they wouldn't miss out. They'd moved to, a high, to the highway so when they did go, they could pick her up and take her with, and the doctors had broken her bones and straightened them out, four and a half months in casts and operations. And every time they asked the little Fatih, how are you feeling? She'd say, I'm going to walk someday. She did not talk about her pain. She said, I'm going to walk someday. And today, she walks. They worked her legs, painful, painful working legs, and she would go to the hospital with other kids in that process, and they would be screaming out in pain. She said, you're going to walk someday. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on the future. Okay? And she's still in school, and she's, practicing. she's still she's learning how to sew, and she's still in school, sew and all this. And, and then last year when I was there, I met a woman who was going down there, and I said, please send me a new picture of Fatih. So at Easter time last year, here's a beautiful 18-year-old girl walking with one simple crutch. But you know what? This isn't even the best part of the story. The best part of the story is when, this, when Fatih came to live in this town called Madaga. When she lived there, she lived with a, a Fulani family who were believers. And she saw that it was by God's grace that she had been healed. And she began to pray fervently for her mother and father that they would leave their life of following Muhammad and find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And when her father came to visit one day, she shared the message of Christ and he accepted Jesus in his heart. This little girl is on fire for Jesus. She is a light. She is like that candle that's come out of the closet. It's an awesome story and it's one I love to tell. Little Fatih exemplifies the idea of light. The idea of light is used throughout the, our lives. We talk about inspiration. Oh, hey, it's like a, a light turn in, in my mind. Or in comparison, we might say, well, if you look at this in, in light of something else, or in understanding, it's like, let's, let's see if we can shed a little light on this. And how, have you, how many of you would like to have someone turn to you and look you in the eyes and say, you are the light of my life? Okay? So that light metaphor is very popular and very useful. And Jesus uses it as well. Jesus uses it as well 
in order to show who he was in God's creation, a creation that was obscured by the shame of sin and disobedience, Jesus says to those seeking the way to God in John 8, I am the the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will know the light of life, will have the light of life. Folks, we have the light of light within us because we are followers of the Lord Jesus. We have that light that he has come to be. Later on, he goes on to say, for us who have taken on that vision and that passion, in Matthew 5:14, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the household. In that same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That is who we are, folks. That is our heritage in the Lord Jesus Christ, as his child, as the children of God. We have that light, and we must live that light. Our ministry has always been to try to help people learn about that light and to walk in God's light. Our ministry has also been to encourage those who are seeking to, to share with others, to shine in, to others in their village, their family, their friends, their, um, their neighbors, to be able to share with them, with them. We do this through personal outreach. Are we there? Go ahead. Two. I, I can do it now. This one isn't as easy as the other ones. Do I have to turn it on again? I'll go ahead. Just, I'll just tell you to do it. He does such a good job. So personal outreach. So to actually go and share individually using whatever tools we have to in, that's done in an urban context where we lived. It's done in a rural context, a lot of traveling um, to challenge Muslim Fulanis to deepen, to, for, into a deeper search of God. Many of them are seeking God, but they only have a certain area to look. And I'm trying to give them that broader, deeper look to just what God is all about. We also try to help by assisting outreach initiatives. That person that sees that those people helping him to become more effective minister to his family, his neighbors, friends. We do that through cassettes, film ministries. Um, we do that through literacy classes. We've begun radio messages. We never got to start a radio station, which I talked about last time I was here. But the people that were given the station didn't have any material, so they're glad to let us put our material on their station for a fee. And uh, let me tell you, it's a lot cheaper to pay for airtime than it is to run a whole station. Okay? Then we also have culturally focused material. We try to to get material that comes from their heart. People sharing their testimony. People singing songs. People telling stories. Telling it in a way that their people can automatically understand it. So we record those things. We get them on cassettes. We put them on the radio so that it can be from their own heart. We also try to gather isolated believers. Yep. So all through the years, we've gathered people at least once a year. Now, if you can imagine two people down here in Loveland, a couple more people down here in Boulder, a few people up in the mountains, and they get together once a year so they can fellowship. Okay? What a joy that is to do it where there's no Muslim teachers looking over their shoulders. 
where they can speak their heart to encourage one another and to find relief for themselves and also just to pray. It's just an awesome time. It's something they all look forward to. And uh, those can go anywhere from 40 to 140 people. Um, you know, 1.5 million Fulanis in the country, there's only about 500 believers. You do the math. That's not very many. Um, we also do training of Fulani believers. Many of these people have, didn't know how to read. So learning how to read has opened up the Bible to them. Talking about ministry, talking about leadership, talking about the Bible and how we interpret things, uh, that's a very important part of what we do. These men were given a, a, a bag that contained a hand crank cassette player, uh, a bunch of cassettes with uh, testimonies and music, and also then the books for the Bible uh, stories and a very complete set that they could go out in anywhere that they wanted to. Um, a very you know small group in the house, so people didn't have the stigma. Then in 19... Um, in 2007, when we went back, when we went back to Burkina, knowing that I couldn't start the radio station, I sat down with the leaders and said, "You know who I am and what I can do and what I like to do, and you know your needs. So how can I best serve you for the future?" And they said, "We need a place. Instead of having conferences here, there, and everywhere, we need a place that we can have materials on hand, that we can produce materials, that we can gather, and then hopefully have a Bible school." So there's a place 10 miles outside of the down, outside of Ouagadougou, the capital city, and we now have 100 by 100 meters, two and a half acres, and we're beginning to develop that. So this is the beginning. One month after this building was started, we had our first conference in 2008. Next slide. Our second women's conference. Okay, and we're going to have another one in February when I'm there. Okay, I leave on the first of February to go back for six weeks. So. That conference and some others, we've been teaching soap baking to the ladies so they can actually feed their children, you know, and also have a chance to get together to worship God while they're doing soap making and including other people in so they can share their testimonies all at the same time. It's also given us a place to have covenant teams. Slide number eight. Yep, covenant teams. A lot of different people. We put up a playground. Put up that playground. There are now 30 to 60 children every Thursday that come to play on that playground and to hear the uh, stories of, of out of the Bible, all from Fulani Muslim families, all with their parents. It's fine. Go take them. You know, you know, get them out of here. Don't have school today. Go there. <laughs> and they're glad to let them go there. And the final slide is the dream. The dream is to have this piece of property. The yellow buildings are built. The pink one we're going to build in February. The blue ones are the Bible school. We have plans that the Bible school will open October of this year with just a few students, and they don't have any buildings yet, so they'll use ours and slowly start working on residences so they can stay and then places for the teachers and then develop that whole property. These are exciting times. That's why it's so hard to be here. Now, being from Minnesota, I've got a very good analogy. I feel like Brett Favre on the sidelines. (laughs) Understood? I feel like someone who knows how to play the game can still do it, but I can't play it. Okay? I can't. I'm not allowed out on the field. And that's the way I feel right now. It's like I want to be there, but for my family's health and needs, I need to be here. But it's not easy. Jesus has clearly showed his vision and his passion when he gave us his commission. 
to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. And that's what every Christian should be involved. You see, what I'm telling you today, that effective ministry, that vision and that, and that passion is not just in missions. That has to happen right here. And we're just an outpouring of your vision and your passion is to reach people. That's how the covenant churches come together. Enable people to be in Burkina Faso and in Congo and the Central African Republic and in Thailand and all those other places. We are the light of the world. Are you shining for Jesus today? Do you find yourself going, boy, I, I used to be, but I'm not so sure I am today. I want you to challenge yourself today. Say, am I being the light of the world? And then if I'm not being the light of the world, either I've lost it or I don't feel like I have it or I've never had it. There are people here, Pastor Guy and other people in this church who would be glad to talk with you about what it means to be the light of the world. And then we can all shine together. You guys have visions on this property. There's a lot more land than you're using right now. And there's, there's things you can do with that. You know, I was excited to hear that you, you have kind of an open door policy for community gatherings here. You know, what a way to reach out and allow groups to, to have a place to, to, to come and to connect. All these things are part of your vision and your passion. We want to all work together. So do you have that vision and passion? I hope so. I'd like you to, to pray for me as I go to Burkina. I'm going to be there. We're going to be building. It's going to be a lot of work. And it's really hot right now. Not as hot as May. <laughs> but it's getting hotter. And, um, and I've been gone for a year now. So I get there and you always feel like, you know, am I, is this the best thing I can do with my time? And I'm not sure what the future holds for us. But like I said, God has held our future and our present and our past. And he'll continue to do so. So I go forward not with fear. Maybe with a little anxiety, but not with fear. Okay? You always kind of like to know what's around the curve, right? Pray with me, and then we're going to have a, a little video clip. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us passion, that you've given us your vision. And I just pray that you would help each person ask those questions. Do I have it? And if not, what do I do to get it? That I might shine to my neighbors, that I might shine in my family, might shine to my friends and my workplace, wherever I am. That people might say, you're different. What is it that makes you different? And we can share the good life, our life of love in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we could be together and worship at this time. Amen.